I understand the uh, 11 to 14s will be going out to their, uh, their work now, so if you're between the ages of 11 and 14, if you head out the same way as all the others. Good morning, my name's Paul, I'm one of the pastors here at King's Church Hastings and uh, it's my privilege to lead the team. It's great to be with you this morning as we start um, a new preach series. And uh, the, the title that we've given it is It's Time to Prepare. And so over the next couple of months, during May and June, I'll be preaching um, four times into this subject. And we do feel very much that it is a preach series and uh, I'll be speaking and uh, explaining more about it, but we actually believe it's more than that for us as a church. We believe that God is uh, uh, wanting to communicate to us as a church that we need to start to get ready. We need to prepare ourselves for the things that God is calling us to do in the future. We've got, we're expecting and, and we are living within a time where God is speaking to us and stirring us and blessing us and uh, as it were we need to say, get ready to go again. As you've done in the past, as you've done in the past many of you many times, over decades, you've, you've gone. You've put yourself out there. You've, you've uh, stirred your faith. You've given generously. You've uh, uh, got involved wholeheartedly. We believe we're entering a season where, and I think this phrase was used this morning, we need to, is it, gird up our loins. I don't quite know what that means, but we need to get ready, church, to go again. Now, the preach series that I'm going to be looking at um, is based in the book of Ezra. We may at different times dip into the uh, book of Haggai and Zechariah as well, but we're going to be starting in um, the book of Ezra, chapter 1, and we're going to be doing the first, just looking at the first um, five verses. I won't be as tied to the passage as much as I would normally be, mainly because there's lots of stuff I want to talk about now, and uh, it's just not in that passage. So there's a lot of information I want to share this morning, but I'm uh, looking forward to all that God has got for us. The title for this morning's preach is God Plans and We Do Exploits. And we know it, don't we, church? God is not uninterested in us. God is not uninterested in Hastings or this church, but he's actually got plans. He's not a passive God, he's not just wound it up and then he just lets it tick on and, and, and do whatever happens. But we know as we read the Bible that God is very interested in his people. And he has purposes and plans to glorify his name. But we also know from the Bible that it's not just God who acts. He wants to draw his people to be involved in his purposes and plans as well. And so there's space for us. In actual fact, it's more than just space. God would have us respond to him with faith, expectation, generosity, in prayer, in action, in tears, in laughter, as we engage with all God has got for us. And as we read the Bible, we know and we see that there are moments in God, opportunities for God's people to do extraordinary things, making a difference in their lifetime and for future generations. I'll say that again. There are moments in God, opportunities for God's people to do extraordinary things, making a difference in their lifetime and for future generations. And this morning we're going to look at one such moment in the book of Ezra. 
So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Ezra chapter 1. And uh, if you haven't, don't worry because the words will come up behind me. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfil the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and to put it in writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any one of his people among you, may his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem in Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem. And the people of any place where survivors may now be living are to provide him with silver and gold, with goods and livestock and with freewill offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Then the family heads of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites, everyone whose heart God had moved, prepared to go up and build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word is timeless. I thank you as we read and study your word, we can find out things about you, but we can also be provoked by the faith and obedience of past generations. Lord, I ask as I uh, communicate today, I pray would I do it with clarity and boldness. I pray, Holy Spirit, just as you are active in the worship, friend, would you be active in this time as I preach? Would you stir hearts? Would faith rise? We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we look at this passage, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to start by uh, explaining this passage. Then I want to look to apply it to us as a church and where I believe God is calling us to go in the future. And so I'll be outlining plans that we are putting in place that will cover the next 18 to 24 months. Um, And they will cause us to be stretched our faith to be stretched, for us to pray as we've not prayed before and give in a way that will um, uh, certainly challenge us. Now if we're going to understand um, Ezra chapter 1, I just want to spend a little bit of time explaining a bit about Israel's history. Now Israel's most prosperous time or season was under the reign of King David and King Solomon. Between them, jointly, they reigned for about 80 years and the geographical area of Israel spread to its greatest extent during their reign. Whatever they did, prospered. They were wealthy, they had military victories, it just went really well with them. Even kings and queens went to hear the wisdom of King Solomon. And it was built on the faith and obedience of King David. Now Solomon started in the way that his father had gone but as his life unfolded he actually drifted away from God. And so by the time that Solomon died and his son took over the once great kingdom of Israel split into two nations. There was the northern nation that was made up of ten tribes 
And there was the southern nation made up of two tribes that stayed loyal to King Solomon's son. Now within 200 years of this great prosperous nation, the northern kingdom, the ten tribes, went into exile. The Assyrians attacked, they invaded and they took them into exile. So within 200 years, Israel that had been one of the most prosperous nations of its time, whatever they turned their hand to, God gave them success. Within 200 years, they were taken into exile because of their disobedience and unfaithfulness to God. Now at that time, there was a good chance that Judah, the southern kingdom, would have followed the northern kingdom. But Hezekiah cried out to God for mercy. Isaiah was around at the same time as well and a great deliverance was given to Judah at that time. The Assyrians were right at the gates of Jerusalem but God turned up in power. And the southern kingdom remained um, uh, independent for about another 136 years. But again, in the end, their hearts drifted away from God and 136 years after the northern kingdom went into exile, the Babylonians under King Nebuchadnezzar turned up, they attacked the towns around Jerusalem and defeated them. They then got to Jerusalem and they destroyed the city's defences, they burned the temple and the royal palace, they broke up and carried away the temple furnishings and devastated the surrounding countryside. And it was, it was God's judgement on a nation because they had turned their backs on God. They were God's covenant people. They were the ones that he had picked out. They were the ones that he had drawn out of Egypt across the wilderness and then through Joshua's leadership they'd taken um, square metre after square metre after square metre of the promised land and we meet them at their lowest ebb. A people that had been exiled for 70 years, they'd lost their identity. Jerusalem, the temple where God turned up, where God was present, it was all gone. It was all in ruins. But although God was angry with them, his anger lasted only a moment. And we find 50 to 70 years later, God starts to stir the heart of a foreign king ruling a foreign empire because God has plans that he intends to purpose and he intends to bring about we come across a now moment in Israel's history. A season where God starts to stir people's hearts and say, how it is now is not how it's to remain. I've got more for you in the future. And we often find that these seasons of God opportunities nearly always come with great obstacles as well. You see... If you were one of these Israelites, you were living in Babylon at the time, or one of the surrounding towns, that was about 500 miles away from Jerusalem. You couldn't go straight across to Jerusalem because there was a big desert in the way. You had to go northwest, then across to the west, and then directly south if you were going to get back to Jerusalem. It was 500 miles. And the Israelites weren't just waiting to go back to Jerusalem. God had said in Jeremiah 29, build houses, settle down, plant gardens and eat the, eat the produce. 
Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so they may too have sons and daughters. Increase in number. Do not decrease. And pray to the Lord for the city you're in because if it prospers, you will prosper as well. So the Israelites were well settled. They'd been there for 70 years, a couple of generations. Probably only the very oldest ones would have remembered Jerusalem and the temple. And yet there's a moment in history where God starts stirring the hearts of the nation to say it's time to return. Now I want to imagine that I say to you this morning, guys... I want you to get ready, we're moving to Glasgow. Okay? We're off to Glasgow, that's about 500 miles away. Can we have the map up please? Excellent. So we're down in the bottom corner there and we need to get up to the top corner up there. So in the next year or so, can you pack your belongings? Can you load your camel and your donkey? Can you, can you buy a cart and fill it up? Because you're not allowed to go by train You're not allowed to go by car. You're not allowed to fly there if you're slightly richer than some of the rest of us. You're not allowed to hire a removal company. It's just what you can carry. Your whole belongings, all of it. 500 miles. And by the way, Glasgow is no nice place to go. It's in ruins. It's not like Babylon where you're leaving, a cultural hub, a height of education, a capital city where everything's sorted, where your kids are nice and settled, the grandparents are all enjoying it, it's a safe place to live. No, you've got to do a 500 mile journey, you've got to get past Birmingham, (laughs) up via Manchester and Leeds, some of you will get lost and end up in Newcastle. Then you've got to to cross the border. They, they, they They want independence. You know, up there, it's a dangerous place to go, Scotland. Imagine if... (laughs) Imagine... Imagine if that's what you were faced. To return to a heap of ruins. No temple, no houses, holes in the city wall, the gates have been burned with fire and you've got to leave it all. People with young families, the elderly would have been reluctant to face the rigours of a long journey to a broken down city with no amenities or infrastructure. The elderly, the ill, maybe you've just started a family, maybe, maybe you don't want to leave your parents or your children or your good friends, you've just put your children in the best school in Babylon. You've got great work opportunities where you are. You've got a great career that you're following. You've just extended your villa and put a swimming pool in. There are so many good reasons not to leave Babylon and go to Jerusalem. So why did they do it? They did it in order to fulfil the word of the Lord. Because God had decided now was the time to act. You see, Israel wasn't defined by their houses. Israel wasn't defined by their possessions or their career. Israel wasn't defined by its children or its elderly parents. They were the people of God. And what God said, they needed to respond to. And so when the prophetic call went out from a foreign king in a foreign nation, 
it's time to go. Not all of the people heard and responded, but about 50,000 in drips and drabs headed back to Jerusalem because God had spoken. There was faith stirring in their hearts. They realised that as it was now, however comfortable, however nice it was, we have not finished, we've got so much more to do. And although it's going to be much more comfortable to return, although there's going to be much more faith challenges, maybe even a bit of danger, maybe hurt and pain, because when you're moving it's much more difficult, even though we may face some of those things, we know God has spoken, therefore, therefore we must respond to him. The Lord God, it was God's plan. Jeremiah had prophesied 70 years before that they would be in exile for 70 years and then they would return. We find God moving the heart of King Cyrus. And then in verse 5 we we see everyone whose heart God had moved prepared to go and build the house of the Lord. Now when I've been studying this over the last few weeks, I've found that this account has challenged me. I'm challenged by their faith and obedience. I'm challenged by what they were willing to do because God had spoken, because they were responding to God. And sometimes we can look at the Bible and we can read it so black and white because we know the end of the story. We know, we know it was God's plan, but if you were living there in the day, who, who was this Isaiah bloke anyway? Maybe it's not right for me to go back at the moment. It's not as clear cut as we read it now. Over the last few months, well you know actually back in February, just to set the context, I stood here and I said, perhaps God is with us. Do any of you remember me saying that? Good, thank you Graham. Perhaps God is with us. With the whole story of Jonathan and his armour bearer going up to fight the Philistines at the top of the mountain, you know, in the sense that maybe God will give us a great victory. Over the last few months, God has been stirring my heart, and, and in a sense, the title of this series communicates it. I've moved on from perhaps to it's time for us to get ready. It's time for us to get ready for the things that God is calling us to do. And over the last uh, few months, I've been reminded of the promises and the expectations of past generations, past generations in this church. I've been reminded of the need that exists in our dear town and communities to see the great